strange things happen when the universe births a talent so embarrassing that she has no choice but to explode her gifts into a society that does not deserve her. Put on your sunglasses, Pluto, because the genius of Octavia Butler might blind you. This is History, the Sequel. Hi, Mercy. Hi. You know, summer's almost over. Have you heard? Yeah. Are you bummed out? Yeah. What grade are you going to be in next year? Eight. Whoa! This is the year! I guess so. It's when it all... Have you have people been telling you that? No. Eighth grade was my favorite year ever. Oh my god, are you serious? Yes, I don't... There must be something wrong with me. Yeah, seriously. Middle school is the worst. Well, wait, that's why. Because you get to... You're, on the, you're the queen of middle school now. You're the oldest. You can tell the young kids, like, hey, don't do that, dummy. That's not how we do lockers here. Yeah. I guess. I mean, what if I don't want to tell them that? Yeah, you You know what is actually better? To yeah. just stay in your own bubble of whatever. <laughs> Despair. Are you... Okay, what's eighth grade? Because in my high school... Sorry, my junior high, eighth grade was Texas history year, where we learned a lot about just the state of Texas in history class. Mm-hmm. Do you have that coming up? Something like that? Not Texas. Uh... But is there a state history focus? I did that in like fourth grade. <gasps> Much younger. Yeah. 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 Much younger. You remember anything about it? Um. Good. Yeah. No, I see. This is the point. It's just that it has. <laughs> have you ever had a history class where something was actually interesting? Yes. Okay. Tell me about it. Um. Last year, we learned about um, civil rights movement. Oh, that's good. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed well, I mean, I didn't enjoy, it was very hard to learn about, but like the Children's March, that was super, like. The Children's oh, March that happened yeah, during yeah, yeah, civil yeah. rights? And yeah. I don't know anything about that. You want to tell me? Sure. I mean, uh, so. You can give me for, broad brushstrokes if you want. Uh, it was for African-American children who um, couldn't, I'm pretty sure, uh, getting it mixed up with other school things that happened because we learned about like all a ton of stuff last year regarding all this civil rights movement stuff but um i'm pretty sure it was a march because african-american kids well the schools were segregated and um so they marched for desegregation uh yeah i'm pretty i didn't know that there was a kids march yeah there was and it was super like it went super downhill because um, police, uh, like, took out fire hoses and sprayed everyone and attacked dogs, and it was awful. Oh, I believe there's a famous photo of a guy getting yeah. fire hoses. Yes, yes, yes. It's in the Andy Warhol thing, too. Someone, yeah. I went that, I went there, um, in San Francisco. I just went on a trip to San Francisco, and I saw the Andy Warhol exhibit in MoMA. And it was there? Yeah, it was, a. he had, like, a tragedy exhibit, and, um... There was a whole thing with the children's march. Wow, I did, had no idea. Well, you know, it's it's good that you're learning something that you at least are excited about. Yeah. It was nice to hear you say yes emphatically that you were learning something. I had a really good teacher last year, which helped. For um, was your teacher like um, excited to teach? Is that the yeah. is that the deal? And I think we got along really well. She was really great, and like you guys listen to the same music, like like the same kind of pizza. <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a, um, are you, so next year, are you looking forward to anything? One thing. Um, I guess 
being closer to high school. You, but see, but then you're going to get in high school and you're like, oh, when is this shit going to end? But I want to get in high school because everyone's telling me that high school is like, okay, this is such an upgrade from middle school. I do think you get more freedom. Yeah. And you're, you're not taught, you're not treated like a, like a ding dong kid anymore. Yeah. I've been told that you find your people in high school as well. Like you find your, <laughs> you look a little skeptical. Well, no, like you grew up, you're growing up in California, so it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Like you're going to, you're just going to be exposed to so many people who are going to be doing amazing things and mm-hmm. have interesting, you're going to, I don't know, Billy Eilish goes to your high school or whatever. <laughs> people like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I talked to three people from high school. Okay. So, but I, but but that's just because it's is very different. Yeah. It's a very different time. I mean, your mom probably your mom grew up in New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. She she probably has similar things where she's like, "Oh, you're all dead to me." Yeah, she has like two people she knows from yeah. high school. You're gonna have you're gonna be lousy with friends. Mm-hmm. Lousy. <laughs> Do you like science fiction? Um. To be honest, not really. No. no. Okay. Well, see, here's the thing. I'm not like mad about it. Yeah. But I like some aspects of it. Like uh-huh. I like the fantasy aspect of it. Do you, yeah. do you read Harry Potter or anything like that? Yeah. That's basically science fiction. Yeah. It read, just doesn't involve science. I read like five of the books this summer. <laughs> okay. So for example, if you took Harry Potter's wand and you got really nitty gritty into the technology of it, then yeah. that's just science fiction. Okay. Right? Or if it, if Hogwarts was in space, boom, science fiction. Yeah. I like Alien. <laughs> oh, well, see, you like Alien the movie? Mm-hmm. That's the science fiction yeah, I guess. cinematic. That's what I think of. So I guess I do like it. Which is also great because what a fantastic female of course. protagonist. Yeah. Who I will take exception to. Did you see Alien 1? Yeah. That's the only one I've seen. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's one scene in it where I'm like, oh, why does Sigourney Weaver have to be in a tank top in her panties for right now? Like, can't she? Like, yeah. I don't fight aliens in my underwear. That's not how I, I do it. That. You remember. Well, you know, James like Cameron that? can't do everything right. Yeah. So right now, uh, 36% of the members of the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America, which is their their actual organization, mm-hmm. Are women only thirty six percent? It's pretty low. Yeah, for twenty nineteen. Um, it's also crazy to think about because the first science fiction piece, the first science p- fiction novel, is Frankenstein. Wow! And it was written by Mary Shelley. A That's lady. crazy. Yeah. So you see, science fiction, I think, is a broader topic than yeah. you, than I think most people would. It's not all Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not all flux capacitors. So today we're going to talk about another female science fiction writer who you might not know about unless you were a big old sci-fi junkie, which we've both, we've established that you're not. Yeah. Okay. And maybe even if you were a junkie, you might not even know about her then. (laughs) So Mercy, are you ready to learn about an exceptional dead woman? Of course. Always. Mercy, when Octavia Butler was born, only 10% of science fiction was penned by a female. Only 10%. She was born in Pasadena, California on June 22nd, 1947, which makes her a cancer. I don't know anything. Do you know anything about star signs, cancer star signs? Do you know? You, no. Oh, you're mo- <laughs> Don't do it? No, I don't know anything. That's what I'm saying. I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about mine. What's your star sign? Virgo. 
Oh, oh, you, you are a emotional, like ball. You're a ball of love and caring and you put energy in the world that is light and bright. And I don't know what your negative sides are, but I know that for sure. I Virgos guess. are like, are like power, power love sources. Oh, just saying in that case, just saying. And that means everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Putting healing and love out in the world. So Octavia Butler's dad died when she was young. And so her mom had to go to work as a maid to support the family. Her mom had to take her to work with her because she didn't have any child care. Mm -hmm. And this is actually where Octavia Spencer started getting some ideas for her work later in life. Yeah. She watched her mom working as a maid suffer indignities and racism at the hands of her employers. And she always clocked it. She always clocked it all. She kept notes and she was like, this is wrong. I'm, I got to do something with this later in life. But she didn't know what it was. Here's some of the things that she said that she saw when she was going to work with her mom. She said, I just remembered that and I wanted to convey that people who underwent all of these things were not cowards. We're not people who were just too pathetic to protect themselves, but were heroes because they were using what they had to help their kids get a little further. That's pretty remarkable thought to have yeah. as, a, as a kid. And and not to see... How old was she again? She was um, she was like seven, eight. Jesus yeah. Christ. Can you imagine? Also, like, to be so aware of your situation and... Well, because one of the things that she said, she said she watched her mom... She said to her mom one day, she said, I, ne I never want to do what you, what you do. I never want to be treated the way you're treated. Mm. And she saw how hurt her mom was in her face and realized that that was the wrong assessment. That her mom was actually brave and courageous for going through these things so that Octavia could have a better life. Yeah. She's, I, I feel like she was kept picking up on all these things very early in life, which is fantastic because most people would just be a dick to their mom and then their mom would be like, that hurts my feelings. And they'd be like, good. <laughs> good. I like you. So she was raised by her mom, as I mentioned, and her grandma was also involved. And fun fact, her nickname was Junior because her mom was also named, named Octavia. <laughs> to, which doesn't, doesn't that make you wonder about like why there aren't more female juniors? That's a, not a concept that exists. Yeah, I know. I don't think there's barely any juniors left, to be honest with Even you. Even with guys? Yeah. I, there's so many Steves in the world, though. Yeah. There's well, got to be a bunch of Steve juniors. <laughs> but, like, lineage, if you think about it, is always passed through the man, right? Mm -hmm. In a patriarchy. Oh, So, yeah. like, you can't – so it's not – it's actually not important to show – that a female, like there's like Octavia, Octavia Jr. Yeah. isn't as important as a Steve, Steve Jr. Because it's like, oh, well, whatever. The important stuff isn't passed down through the woman. Yeah. We don't have that concept yeah. in, in, in uh, uh, you know, female relationships. Anyway, it's dumb. Because I think, how fun would it be if you were like, this is how, what I think. I think it'd be really fun to be like, Pleasure to make your acquaintance. I'm Aaron Gibson the <laughs> third. That would be so fun. I want that. I want the opportunity. So Octavia was tall and painfully shy, yeah. which I get as a monster lady myself. But her world got flipped, turned upside down when she was 12 years old, and she saw a British B-movie called Devil Girl from Mars. I'm going to play a clip for you. No doubt you are resigned to the inevitable. 
that is wise. Professor, I observed your encounter with the electronic wall. Today it is you who learn the power of Mars. Tomorrow it will be the whole world. Put up your hands. And why should I put up my hands? Because if you don't, I'll shoot you. So, initial thoughts on that riveting scene? <laughs> um, well... Be honest, did you understand one thing that was happening? Not really. Okay, that's what Octavia <laughs> Butler also thought. She saw that movie and she goes, what is this shit? Yeah, I didn't understand anything. <laughs> She's like, I cannot believe that a bunch of people got in a room and made this happen and now I am watching it. <laughs> she said to herself, I can write better than this. And so I'm going to. And that movie, that what? piece of crap, is what inspired her to start writing fiction. Her mom bought her a Remington typewriter, and she got busy. She got busy a writing. Can you also, can you just for one second think about how long it takes to type something on a typewriter? Yeah, we have one at my house. You do? Do yeah. you type on it? Sometimes if I'm like, really really bored and like i just have nothing else to do like if there's no electricity well i mean <laughs> like if there's a power outage and you have nothing and you've got nothing else well i mean if there was a powder power outage i think the first thing i'd do is like find my parents or something i don't know you wouldn't go for the typewriter no <laughs> but um how long have you got? Have you done a sentence? Can you do a sentence? Yeah. Okay. But it's super hard. And then if you mess up, you got to start over. You got to start. And this was, I don't know when Whiteout was invented. 60s, 70s? This is before that. So you're typing on this thing and you, you know, I, I can't imagine. And then even if you do go through, you have to do your markups and stuff and then you have to come back. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> but you could do it back then because you didn't have like, you know, venmo problems or like you know there was not technology getting in the way of your day-to-day -day yeah existence that's why everybody had such good handwriting back then because <laughs> it's easier to do that than use typewriter well okay well, we're gonna bring that back up because i actually think octavia <laughs> butler has the she has okay handwriting but it's it is it's very um funny to me the way you can read it that's what's right. good. you can read it but we'll do we'll, we'll do that later okay so here's the thing. She got this typewriter and she started just writing tons of stories, even though she was dyslexic. Wow. And so she, this is what was happening at the time. She was super dyslexic. She was a chronic target for bullying at her high school. Um, this is what she said about the kind of taunting she endured while she went to school. She said, simple peck order bullying is only the beginning of the kind of hierarchical behavior that can lead to racism, sexism, ethnocentrism, classism, and all the other isms that cause so much suffering in the world. She, she saw it early. She saw the high school stuff and she's like, oh, this is just the, this is the seedling to what happens later in life. So I would just extrapolate, if I could for a sec, that perhaps she's also saying that like all terrible things start in high school. Yeah. And I wouldn't, Mercy, I wouldn't say that that's necessarily true in California high schools. You're, you're going to be in a very progressive school. You're going to be... Why California? Why not 2019 high schools? Because adults have not caught up. Yeah. The people in charge have not caught up. Yeah. Although right. I'll say this. I have a cousin who's 16. She lives in Cincinnati. And she is like head of her LGBTQ um, group. She's, uh, you know... We have one at our school too. You do? Yeah. 
I think kids are kids are if kids were in charge, it would be a lot better. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah. There's also I went to a Portland high school to do an event, and um, they had like a study lesson study group during lunch where they all just talked about the problems that they were having and how to fix them. It was magical. Do you have anything like that at your school? Uh, I think that's more in high school, but I'm not in high school, so. <laughs> well, um, maybe get a jump start on eighth grade. Yeah, hopefully. Get these people on the right page. Yeah. She also said it's not just the relationship of the bully and the abused, but the people who are neither who stand by and do nothing also contribute to this system. This is all stuff that she brought into her work. And I, I have to say, like, I, she is considered the first black female science fiction writer, but she doesn't necessarily consider herself a science fiction writer. She mm-hmm. writes about things in a way, and I'll get into specifically the things that she writes, but um, she writes about basically the way she wants things to be. And you can't really imagine that in this world. Yeah. So you have to put, you have to take the confines out off of your reality in order to explore those things. That's why she's considered a science fiction writer. Not because she necessarily writes about like, you know, alien probes. (laughs) So her mother supported her dreams, thank God. And she, even though she had an aunt who said to her, and this is a quote, honey, Negroes can't be writers. This is a thing. Now, here's, thank goodness she didn't listen. But there's a thing about adults sometimes when they they tell people that, t- tell kids or young people that they can't do anything. And it's out of pure fear. Yeah. It's not actually, I don't believe it's necessarily out of like wanting them to fail. Yeah. or But it's protecting them from the hurt in the world. Yeah. Now, good thing she didn't listen. She actually got some help from a science teacher at John Muir High School, which is in Pasadena. And that person helped her type up her first manuscript and submit it for publication. That was in high school. It all happens in high school, Mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Then she went to junior college where she won a a short story contest. And she won $15. Wow. Mercy, name something you can buy for $15. And I know you're about to go to Disneyland, so there's not one thing you can get there. Yeah, no. What can you buy for $15 now? I don't know. Can I name two things? Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably like, honestly, like two lip balms. Not lip balms, lip glosses from like Sephora or something. Yeah. Honestly, you, everything's maybe, so expensive now. Maybe yeah, you maybe. get two lip glosses. They're like $8. I know that doesn't add up to well, it's $16. But, but like, that's like, you could get one and then have some change for some coffee. You get a lip gloss and yeah. a coffee. Yeah. That's what you can get for $15. Not a good mix. No. It was worth a little more back then, but not much. But point is, she couldn't support herself with that, but she kept going. She had a very long road to success. After junior college, she worked jobs like a telemarketer, a dishwasher, and she was a potato chip inspector. Would you like to think, would you like to explain what you think that is? Um, looking for any like bugs or. Or any, I don't know. Like any burnt chips or something? <laughs> yeah, burnt chips. I, don't, I, I can't, I'm trying to no decide. No one likes a burnt chip. No, what a bummer to get a burnt chip in your potato chip bag. <laughs> but I'm trying to decide if, because I didn't really look up what it meant, but if it was a conveyor belt and it was like Laverne and Shirley style looking for imperfections or if it was like 
the bag was almost sealed and you had to like pull it out. Like, do you pull it out of the bag as if you were a person eating the chips and make sure that they were, it was an enjoyable process? I think that would, I think the second one is unrealistic. Too much time. Yeah, but do you think yeah. this, this this job exists anymore? Maybe. I don't know. It sounds I like mean, a very. Do you watch that show, How It's Made? On the, I think it's on the Science Channel. And it's like, it. there's this one episode of it and it's like how hot dogs are made and it shows you like. And how is Gross. it? Gross. Like, Does it show how the meat's all ground up and yeah, stuff? Yeah, and it's like, remember McDonald's pink slime from oh, a couple yeah. years ago? It's literally that, and they shove it into casing. And is the casing intestines? Yeah. It's still intestines. Well, I mean, I think it's not anymore. I think it's like artificial stuff, but... Like gelatin or something? Something. I don't know. They're, They're all gross. I don't like hot dogs from that video. <laughs> I mean, they did a good job of getting you off hot dogs because you yeah. were a hot dog addict at a certain point. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Couldn't go a day without one. There was this guy in Houston. He was on the evening news, and his name was Marvin Zindler. And his whole thing was that okay, he had white, silver white hair. He wore reflective glasses, and he always wore a shiny silver suit. And his whole thing was giving restaurants grades. Mm-hmm. So he would be like, he would be like, Taco Hut on the 5600 block of Bissonette. I found slime in the ice machine. It was like a full sitcom, like a mini sitcom on all of the, I'll find a slime in the ice machine thing for him. He, he did it in his hospital bed when he was dying. They <laughs> took a camera to the hospital. He put a suit jacket on oh in a hospital God. bed. And, and the glasses. <laughs> and did slime in the ice machine from the... Slime slime in foods, I'm telling you, if you find a career in it, stick with it because it'll bring you much success. <laughs> It's really actually a bad time to tell people not to eat hot dogs because we're like, we're, we're prime summer right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, we got to get off meat. What about Beyond? Do you eat any of those Beyond things? Beyond meats? I've never eaten the Impossible Burgers. Mm-hmm. I've never tried them, but they look, I'm scared of them. Yeah. I'm just not going to eat meat. I'd rather just not eat anything. Like, Even if it looks like meat. Listen, I don't care that much about a burger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. You know what? I care about chicken breast. I like chicken breast, but I do not care about a burger. So you're like, if you go by In-N-Out, you you don't start salivating. You're like, Grilled Ooh. cheese. I get a grilled cheese from In-N-Out. Do you like grilled onions? No. Oh, never mind. Because you can <laughs> I get like a- raw onions. Oh, well then this is, I don't know how raw onions would taste on a grilled cheese sandwich, but the grilled onions on a grilled cheese sandwich at In-N-Out is really good. Really? Yeah. I but- don't like their animal sauce, but like weird thousand island stuff i think it's just thousand island and mayonnaise yeah no no i am anti-dressing i hate all so but are you but where do you go because chick-fil-a you can't go there where do you get a chicken sandwich i don't like chick-fil-a anyway oh dish yeah they're they like send proceeds to anti-gay companies like well not that but like to therapy it's like conversion therapy so i don't and it's but do you run like by an product? old white man oh yeah like, well that's for sure listen i'll get it you know shake shack chicken sandwiches are the best i agree with you they're so much better than chick-fil-a let me tell you my shake shack problem no you know what i'm not gonna ruin them for you i don't think that they no, pay, tell, i don't tell think me. they pay people fairly and i saw i was i had this whole thing where they were like hiring new hiring whatever 
restaurant staff and it was $13 an hour, which oh you cannot gosh. fucking live off of in LA or New York, which is where they are. And then they had their ch- tables. If you look at their tables, they have little like burnt wood stamps that say made from reclaimed wood in upstate New York. And I'm like, so you fucking ship this stuff across the country and you can't pay these people yeah. at least $15 an hour. Come on, Shake Shack. Yeah. Let's, I don't eat there very often. So. Look, here's the thing. There, there's very few places that you can go to that where you feel good about yourself because yeah. you're supporting someone great. Nobody got successful without stepping on the necks of a million people. Yeah. Sorry to say. But not Octavia Butler. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> she kept writing every, every day. She would get up at 2 a.m. to finish her pieces. And in 1969, she enrolled in UCLA's creative writing program. And by the time she graduated in 1971, she had a published novel. Yeah. She had done it. So uh, she still wasn't making money, though. And that's what people don't understand. Just because you have a book, just because you made a book doesn't mean you're like, you know, I'm in the money. You're not like top hat, you know, dancing dancing every night to go get champagne. That's not how it works. It takes a very long, especially in a niche in, an, in the niche uh, realm that she was working in, she was still working as a secretary, and um, it wasn't until 1978, this is seven years after she published her first book, that she was able to support herself 100% as a writer. And she did a million of fantastic things when she finally could do it. She went, mm-hmm. she traveled the world. She Well, the first thing she did was she got on a bus, and she traveled to all the um, national monuments in the U.S. that she hadn't been able to see before. She just explored, you know? She was yeah. she was out and about. Now, here's the thing. She was still able to support herself as a writer, but she wasn't getting the, like, notoriety that she deserved. So I want you to read this note that she wrote to herself on the back of a notebook cover um, in 1988. Okay. Okay. This is 10 years after she could start supporting herself as an author. And this is actually this notebook Page is how I found out about her because I saw this in a um, piece about her um, archives at the Huntington Library, and I want you to read it in its entirety. It's kind of long, but I and if you get tired, I'll do it in the middle. But it is it is this is her like this is her Gettysburg address, yeah, to herself. She wrote this to herself. So if you'll start reading it. Um, and whatever, I know you have some theater training, so whatever you feel like, whatever energy you want to give to this. All right. I shall be a best-selling writer. After Imago, each of my books will be on the bestseller lists of LAT, NYT, PW, WP, etc. My novels will go on to the above lists, whether publishers push them hard or not, whether I'm paid a high advance or not, whether I ever win another award or not. This is my life. I write best-selling novels. My novels go to the bestseller lists on or shortly after publication. My novels each travel up to the top of the bestseller lists, and they reach the top, and they stay on top for months, at least two. Very specific. <laughs> each of my novels does this. So be it. I will find the way to do this. So be it. See to it. Okay, now, yeah, and this is when she get. do you want me to take over? How do you feel? I don't care. Okay, I like you doing it. So this is also, she goes on to say, like, okay, so now she's like, she's. (laughs) I read a little. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she goes on to say what she's going to do when she's successful. All right. 
My books will be read by millions of people. I will buy a beautiful home in an excellent neighborhood. I will send poor black youngsters to Clarion or other writers' workshops. I will help poor black youngsters broaden their horizons. I will help poor black youngsters go to college. I will get the best of health care for my mother and myself. I will hire a car whenever I want or need to. I will travel whenever and wherever in the world that I choose. My books will be read by millions of people. So be it. See to it. Now, this made me straight up cry the first time I read it because I just thought, well, I mean, what a way to put it out in the universe. And I'll tell you one thing. Shortly after she wrote this, all that stuff happened. That's it wonderful. all happened. She won a Hugo Award and a MacArthur Grant and continued to write until the early 2000s when she unfortunately suffered from writer's block and depression, possibly connected to the fact that she was on this blood pressure medication that oh. made her feel weird. It's all, look, I hate to sound like Marianne Williamson, but it all comes back to far, big pharma, baby. <laughs> Messing with your mind. So she died actually very young at the age of 58 after oh having, I know, very sad. Um, after either falling or having a stroke and then falling. So it was, it was in very shocking and very, um, unexpected. Where did she die? In her house oh, in wow. Washington. Did she fall down the stairs? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I know. She hit her head and, and, uh, and died. Now, listen, that while that is tragic yeah. and sad, she did, she did everything in her life that she set out to do yeah even though it took a really long time she did it she did not give up and that is a truly a lesson that everyone can learn from whether or not you want to be a writer a politician a doctor or whatever to do stuff well to do stuff really really well and to do it right it takes a really long time Mm -hmm. it takes a really long time so always remember that and i wanted to say like octavia butler is still one of the only black female sci-fi writers, and she wrote about smart women stuck in impossible situations. Her protagonists made complicated decisions for their families over themselves, and I have never heard of a more beautiful love letter to someone's mother in my entire life. Yeah. Okay, Mercy, it's the time of our show where we... Illustrate to our listeners how easy it is to sprinkle facts about Octavia Butler into everyday conversations. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to read a scenario that you're going to find yourself in because I understand your life and every the way that you live and all, all the things that you do. And then you're going to read the response. And the response is a way to like pivot the conversation into a little, little tidbit about Octavia Butler so that people other people know about her. All right. Okay. Scenario one. You're... Late watching the newest season of Stranger Things. Your friend is giving you a hard time, even though you've been busy with other things. You've been at Disneyland. Yeah. To teach her a lesson, you content shame her by saying, You think Stranger Things uses Eleven to say anything interesting about women? Octavia Butler does. Ava DuVernay is currently working on a TV adaptation of Butler's dystopian novel, Dawn. And I can't wait until the world sees how extrasensory women are depicted when you have a woman writing sci-fi. Eleven just has nosebleeds and wears neon socks. Which I think is what <laughs> happens in this season. Have you? Are you up to date? Yeah. And? I've watched all of them. And she just goes shopping now? I guess. 
Well, I mean, she she fights monsters too. Okay, but here's the thing, and I'm gonna. Here's my problem with Stranger Things. It's it, they have depicted her in such a tropey way. In that, she most women who are heroes in pieces of fiction like this mm-hmm. have to go through an inc- an incredible amount of pain and sorrow yeah. and like trials and tribulations tribulations just to get there. Mm-hmm. Now those ki- her friends, the guys, all they had to do was play D and D. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. Anyway, it's a little different when you've had, like, probes in your brain. All right. Mm-hmm. that's my And that's my five-minute rant on Stranger Things. Scenario two. You and your friend are going to a thrift store in Pasadena to find $100 Levi jeans from 1996. I don't know. I don't know if that's even a thing that people would do, but that's how much they are now. You say to them... When we're done, can we stop by the Huntington Library so I can see Octavia Butler's papers? And then, if we have time after that, can we have tea at Huntington Gardens? A thing all 15-year-olds do. (laughs) I know you, Mercy. You're out and about having a great time. You bought your lip gloss at Sephora, and you're like, I would like high tea. Yeah, I actually do. Wait, you do? Yeah, it's fun. I'm so relieved to hear you say that. Yeah, no, I love tea. Scenario three, vans are back. Not sure if you heard about this. So you're telling your kid's loving cousin, (laughs) Foodie, who I assume is from... Funny? Foodie? Foodie is what I said, but you can call her Fuddy. (laughs) Call her Fuddy. I love a cousin from Louisiana called Fuddy. (laughs) You're you're telling her why you love vans. So here's one of your selling points. So many great things come from California, Fuddy. Me, number one. Vans, Anaheim, Baby, and Octavia <laughs> Butler, one of the most pro- prolific science fiction writers of all time. Suck it, Fuddy. You can take your kids and your Cincinnati and you can jump into Lake Erie. Oh, I forgot I had made her from Cincinnati. It's fine. Yeah, we can't. Not every ding-dong is from Louisiana. <laughs> Mercy, thank you so much for lending us your mind, opinions, and stories. Of course. To us today. Will you come back? Yeah, anytime. History of the Sequel is built on the backs of amazing dead women who created the opportunities you have today. Researched by Alex Everhart. You can follow her at Alex Icon Devil. Produced by Cody Fisher. Engineered by Cody Fisher. This episode was hosted by Aaron and Mercy. And you can follow us on at History the Sequel on Instagram. It's just a matter of behaving as though the world were a little bit more as you wish it were in some way. So my characters, um, who are often black and female, behave as though they have no limitations. And um, they don't run around saying, look at me, I'm black, I'm female, I have no limitations. They just behave this way and do what they need to do. Bye, guys.